0: Welcome to Lame Stream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, you can rate us,
1: review us, subscribe to us. You can smash that subscribe button. You can tell everyone in your neighborhood. You can drive down the street, honk your horn, and just yell out the window and say, Hey,
0: listen to Lame Stream Sports. (laughs) And watch their faces light up with... With lots of questions. Uh, Also, uh, occasionally, most of the time, as many times as I can, we get a lot of these interviews up on the YouTube page. So make sure you're checking out the 440 Sports YouTube page as well. All the other great shows that are up there. You got a football show. You got Fringe Element. Uh, A lot of the interviews we do, we we put up there on the uh, website. So if you want on the YouTube. So if you want to watch, you know, Steve Cavendish's beautiful face, ask very difficult and pointed questions of our guest today on the show, Mike Rooney of basically kind of like Ned Michaels, like of every Company that's ever covered college baseball, I believe ESPN and D1 right now. But he's also, I've worked, worked with him when he was on Perfect Game. He works for Sirius XM as well. So he,
1: he's, he's on Sirius during the uh, College World Series yes. finals. Yeah.
0: He, he, and I've had the pleasure of working with him. I've eaten literally, I've eaten giant fillets with him in Omaha, Nebraska at 10 30 a.m., which is not good for one's heart uh, at our age. But it, God, it's so damn delicious if you ever get a chance to go to the event. So, Mike Rooney, our guest today on the show. He is going to cover Tennessee Volunteers baseball, their chances in Omaha, but also the growth of the sport, the future of some of the rivalries with Tim Corbin in the SEC, uh, along with how Major League Baseball is finally getting out of the way of college baseball to help the product uh, grow here and how the SEC is so dominant. So, a lot of really fun stuff with Mike Rooney. After the interview, since it was a little shorter, uh, we are going to have a lot of things to talk about ar- around Nashville media. Uh, a big announcement from Cromwell Radio with 949, formerly known, the artist formerly known as The Game Two. Uh, which will now be the fan, and it will carry OutKick three hundred and sixty. So we'll give you some thoughts on what we think is going to happen there, and that move by uh, a local radio station. Got some racing coverage to discuss this weekend, uh, and then I think the national local media conversation around topics that balloon out of control, whether it's Ryan Tannehill's mentor gate, Traylon Burks's maybe or maybe not out of shapedness, We don't know the Sabin versus Fisher thing. There's some, there's some conversations to be had where all three of those are tied together and some lessons. And of course, some Nissan Stadium Titans news as well. So a lot of things to do after the interview. Uh, Before we do any of that, Steve, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by the wonderful and amazing folks at Jaspers. Always brought to you by Jaspers. It has not changed. It has never changed. We've never had another sponsor. We have always been loyal and faithful to Jaspers because they are loyal and faithful to us and to you, Nashvilleians, who frequent their establishment and enjoy their free parking their, evol- their evolved menu, their evolved menu, <laughs> <Evil> menu. <laughs> their evolved menu. Um, I thought you, were,
1: thought you were making like an extra virgin olive oil thing.
0: Dude, one day, my worst on-air slip-up ever that wasn't like a bad word was when I was reading a piece of paper that said National Olive Day. Like one of my producers had handed me a piece of paper and it was like, oh, this is National Olive Day. And I like, po- I couldn't read it for some reason. I paused and I was like National Olive Day, like what? I did, I could not. Read, <laughs> I could not read the word olive for some reason. My brain didn't work. Evolved the evolved sports menu at Jasper's. Of course, the, the free game room and, and all the other great stuff that goes along with them. So please uh, support Jasper. So a lot of really big media stuff to talk about after the interview, Steve. Uh, but Mike Rooney is just awesome. I just he loves the game. He's a player. He's a coach. He's a commentator. Uh, he absolutely loves the game. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. He's a delight.
1: Uh, you will, you will absolutely enjoy it, and headed into college baseball's biggest stretch.
0: Absolutely, and you Tennessee fans, you Vandy fans, you SEC fans, you're gonna want to hear everything he has to say, and then we'll be back with a lot of commentary about a lot of other media things that are taking place in Nashville. So here is our conversation with the great Mike Rooney. Mike, welcome to the show. Runes Rooney, my man, how are you? Good to see you. It is your time of the year, and I'm so glad we've got you for a few minutes on the show today. How are you, sir?
2: I'm good, BG. Good to see you. Yes, it's uh, the next 30 days of life are awesome. Really, really awesome.
0: So you basically worked for every single media company that's ever covered college baseball, (laughs) and I'll let you kind of explain your path. But what I'd love you to give some insight to people out there for is my first College World Series in Omaha was 2007. That was... Uh, Oregon State and Joey Wong and they won the whole thing and that was like a big a big deal what was your first year you went to Omaha as a member of the media because I know you've been in a variety of of sort of ways and how was that press box different today in 2022 than it was the first year you went as a media member
2: yeah so I would say man it's so interesting so I've I've missed Omaha so as a player and a coach lost the game to go to Omaha three times so oh. never, never went as a player, oh. never went as a coach, but, but like, but still great memories, right? Like my senior year at Notre Dame, 1992, we lose to Miami. Our shortstop is Craig Council. Their catcher is Charles Johnson. You know, like those are memories for life. And, um, you know, just, uh, as, uh the one that stands out for me as a coach is 2000. We lose a regional final to Texas and Augie Garrido. You know, like the, the, it was the first Texas team he took to Omaha who knew um you know and then we in 2003 we lost to Cal State Fullerton in game three and you know we had five big leaguers right we had Larish and Pedroia and Ether and Tuffy Ghostwitch and they had 10 big leaguers Fullerton had (laughs) Red Turner and Suzuki and so anyway you know like that stuff is heartbreaking in the moment but in 2009 I got to go to Omaha and that was the old joint Rosenblatt like you went to BG um, I was the director of baseball operations for ASU. I'd come back after coaching there, but I was doing the radio with Tim Healy, who's the voice of the Sun Devils. And that was an incredible, you know, it was Rosenblatt. So it was amazing. Um, you know, uh, ASU had Kipnis and Cole Calhoun and Golly. Mike Leak. And, you know, it was, it was just a, it was a killer experience. So the new place is different, as you guys know. And I've been, I think I've been every year now since 2014, either, you know, like you, you mentioned BG, like all of this work for all these different media outlets. So, I mean, it's, it's changed in a million different ways. Um, But the soul of the event is still amazing. I mean, it's still Omaha and every college player wakes up thinking about Omaha and they go to bed thinking about Omaha. And that's probably that combined with the people of the city of Omaha is what makes it incredible. is part of
1: part of the uniqueness is that singular destination i mean it's not like in uh, like i'm a huge college basketball fan but i mean it's different every year i mean you could be in st louis you could be in new orleans you could be wherever else uh what is it uh, what is it about that singularity do you think that that has has that's kind of created the atmosphere
2: yeah i think it's um the people it always begins with the people and you know you know bg from being there It would I've never been to the World Cup in soccer, but this is what I picture the World Cup in soccer is like that the city of Omaha just closes for two weeks and just hugs this event. And, you know, like the first time you go to Omaha, you get off the plane with one of the teams, you get on the bus and then you have an organization like the um, Knights of Columbus of Omaha or, you know, one of those groups, VFW, or you have a association assigned to you. And they get on your bus and they've got Krispy Kreme donuts that they pass out. And, you know, just like it starts there and it never stops. When your team goes from the, the, you know, through the hotel lobby to the bus, there's kids there getting autographs and people with signs like every the hotels make a big deal of the teams. So I think, you know, the fact that it's it's been Omaha since the late 1940s that, you know, that makes a difference. Rosenblatt, you know, I, I love the new place, Charles Schwab but Rosenblatt was special, right? Like it was Wrigley Field, it was Fenway Park. And so that, that park just had, it just got in your soul. And so I, I think all of those things wrapped together is, is the deal.
0: And from a financial standpoint and a coverage standpoint, I agree, it's less charming. It doesn't have the same sort of soulful vibes that you're talking about when you're out like in the neighborhoods, right? It's sort of like Lambo. Like Lambo, yeah, you have never been to Lambo field. Lambeau field yeah. is like inside of a neighborhood and it's very different than almost any major sports stadium in there. But what it has allowed is it's, it's allowed for a lot more access. It's allowed for more media, more fans, more mm-hmm. celebratory stuff. You got buildings and restaurants all around the building now. So it does on the other side of the coin, while we have to sort of opine the loss of that charm, sure. we do have to embrace the growth that it, that is, it is allowed. And I, obviously some of this is, is TV, right? TV now wants to be involved in, in covering college baseball, but also the coaches and the people involved, I think are so much more like, are, are the coaches more savvy today about how to market and grow the product more than just their own brand? Or has that always been a thing in baseball?
2: I think it's, um, it's always been a thing for the coaches that were building college baseball. You know, like if you think about I would consider the 80s like a golden age for college baseball and the Ron Frazier's of Miami, the Skip Bertmans of LSU, you know, the, the Augie Grito when he was at Fullerton, Texas, like these guys, Gene Stevenson at Wichita State. These guys have always had big personalities that were perfect for the media. I think about Wayne Graham of Rice. Um, but but, you know, they were they were the minority. You know, like they were kind of they had kind of put the sport on their back and were carrying it up the hill. Now, I think to your point, BG, that it's if you're a coach that's not media savvy, you are kind of putting a glass ceiling on your career. I mean, it's such a part of the job now. Um, those guys in the 80s and 90s, they were just you know, they were they kind of were naturally wired that way, and they knew Ron Frazier being the you know, Ron Frazier probably is the reason that the College World Series ever got on ESPN, and you know, and now. When I think about my, you know, my time at ESPN, I mean, the College World Series is one of the most coveted assignments at ESPN um, for, you know, for the staff people. You know, you think about Little League World Series, Monday Night Football, the NBA, clearly people at ESPN, employees at ESPN are dying to be part of, you know, they're lobbying to be part of the College World Series. So that part makes it really cool.
1: Major League Baseball has in some sense in some senses plateaued uh, whether you're looking at whatever metric you want to look at you want to look at attendance or ratings or, or whatever else but college baseball has really been on this sort of upward upward trajectory here particularly over the last 10 years uh, is it just because of you know that kind of constant espn coverage or 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 what is it that that has made college baseball kind of you know capture people's attention in a way that maybe some other college sports haven't
2: the SEC, you know, I mean, like if, if you were making me give a really simple answer, like if you're aligned with the SEC, you're aligned with a space rocket, right? So it's like, um, but you know, like I, I think the sport has been a little bit of a hidden gem, you know, recently MLB, you know, I, Rob Manfred takes a lot of heat, but I think one, and again, you got to account for my bias here, but I think one stroke of genius for Rob Manfred is he's kind of looked at the owners, like. Hey, why are we fighting with college baseball every year? Like this is a free feeder system that is probably better for our players. So let's go ahead and embrace this because, again, it's free and it's zero
0: dollars.
2: (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) So yeah, I think it's all of those things, really.
0: Well, and that's it's so funny because that's what that's what I was going to ask is how much is baseball still fighting it? Like even just having the I've been on the soapbox and you've heard me do this rant like a billion times, but having your having a pitcher in a super regional game on a Friday morning, like also having a chance of being drafted that day. Like, isn't it, is it, was it, uh, was it Pat Burrell that famously was at the plate while he was getting yep. drafted in the, in the world series? It's like how you could not show us that you care any less by having the draft during the most important part of the baseball tournament. I also think it's easy for fans to parachute in and, and now they identify the players a little bit more. They identify some of the coaches a little bit more. But you can parachute in and get super involved for like a month when there's nothing else happening. And, and that allows you to sort of latch onto these personalities and, you know, Mississippi State and like, all, you know, all the, the, the goofiness of, of what goes in with, to a baseball dugout. I think all of that has built to where we are now.
2: Yeah, and and you know, like the the SEC environments, like you mentioned Mississippi State, those environments have become so cool. And you know, the SEC environments, and there's others too, right? The Big Twelve's got great environments. The facilities have improved, but I think what the SEC has nailed is is kind of the, the Wrigley Field phenomenon, where the 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 event is the social event. The game just happens, and now they are very passionate fans. But you know, they're there to barbecue and have a couple pops and be with their friends and they love on these players and it's like minor league, it's like minor league baseball, but the kids don't leave, you know, they're there three or four years. So that's really cool. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's all of those things are, are awesome and it's um, you know, the kids it's, it's such a, yeah, here's the bottom line too, guys, the SEC is making money at baseball. It's a revenue generator in that yep. league too. So that, that changes the equation as well.
0: How many conferences make money at baseball?
2: I mean, really just the SEC. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think the other conferences, you know, like I think there's schools in the Big 12 where they're at least break even, um, you know, and you guys know it, finances and college sports are so wonky. It's like, you know, now this may not last much longer, but, you know, you could make an argument that baseball at 11.7 is is a revenue generating sport for the school because of tuition. Right. Like they're not maybe a revenue generating sport for <laughs> the athletic department, but you know, they're, they're that's 23 yeah, players that's on paying full freight, you know, like what other, what I, I, the, 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 you know, the math club isn't necessarily generating that. I, I don't, so, you know, it, the, that's where the finances get a little, but, but the sec, just forget about that part. The sec is just flat, you know, making money in baseball. And then, you know, you guys know the TV, the TV part matters too.
1: What we, we asked, we talk about this a lot in sort of college football, but in college baseball, you're right. These, these SEC programs, I mean, this year it's Tennessee, but it has been Vanderbilt, but it has been Arkansas. It has been LSU. What, what would be good for the sport to see uh, like another kind of regional center? Is it a West coast thing with, if we saw like a rise of West coast teams, like a, like a, like a rise of a dominant Fullerton again, or a rise of, you know, some, some, some of the PAC 12 powers again, would that be good to kind of offset this or, or, or should we just be riding the sec?
2: Yeah. I I'm more from the latter school of thought. Like my thing is like a rising tide lifts all boats and like, you know, like I, I think about basketball, like basketball, you know, not that they're perfect, but they kind of gear their sport around, Hey, the Kentuckys and the Kansases are going to grow the sport. And then UMBC and Binghamton, if you guys want to come along for the ride, that's awesome. And we're not going to exclude you, but we're not going to make rules that, you know, help you be better than Kentucky. Like we're going to help Kentucky grow the sport. And then you guys. So, so the things to me are, I would like us to, to do some different things in our tournament. There's an idea out there called 32 hosts, where instead of having a four team regional, like we're going to have this weekend, we would just, everything would be a three game series until Omaha. And then that way, Hmm. you know, like right now we have 16 host sites, every regional round but we really don't, right? Like we have nine or 10 ACC host sites and then the rest of the country gets to divvy up the other six. And I'm not bagging on the ACC or the SEC. They've earned that. But if you if we could bring our tournament in a three-game series to 32 places every year, yep. now you're starting to... And by the way, a three-game set gets really awesome. Like it's kind of like, it's, it's our version of the basketball sin, single loss elimination. You know, you mentioned fan interest, BG, our regional round, like as a college baseball nerd, I love it. But for the average fan, like me trying to explain that to my mom, she's like, <laughs> okay, just tell me who won, right? Like just I'm, I'm
0: done. But but the Supers, oh man, you build rivalries, you build history, mm-hmm. you build connection there. I, I, what's interesting about baseball too is that you also have stories like Fresno State winning a national championship as a team that was one of the last ones in, which doesn't happen normally in basketball or in, and never in football. You've got, you know, Stony Brook and Kent State and Indiana. I. But it sounds like what you're saying is it's still not smart financially, good business to invest. Because I know the Big Ten is spent on facilities, but like, is it, it's still not good business necessarily for a lot of those programs to invest, right? Or or is it good for Stetson because they've got two great pitchers or whatever?
2: Yeah, it's not great business for, you know, like the, the Big Ten's got a proposal out there. They call it the new model where the Big Ten would actually like to move the season back an entire month. Um, Because their their claim is that if you let us play home baseball games in May and June, we would make money because they've got minor league teams right next door to them that are printing money. And so, you know, that that there's parts of that proposal I really like. There's parts of it that feel kind of extreme. But, you know, you you guys know right now we're just not in an environment in college sports to make any type of modifications because nobody even knows what it's you know, it'd be like a country not even knowing what language they're going to speak in three years, right? Like how many, how many laws are we changing when we don't even know what our currency is going to be in three years?
0: I, I, I runes. I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I, can't. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. all right, let's, let's talk, uh, Cav unless you got anything else on the media side of things, I want to get you get your couple, couple thoughts here on Tennessee before we get you out. Um, first of all, I, I, I saw the, the performance on the selection show. Tremendous yep. job by you with the fur Thank coach. You. Absolutely. Great is Tennessee good for the game and how is Tennessee's personality and their culture and their sort of like thumbing the nose at like is that how is that received nationally around the country and other in other areas
2: yeah not well right like they are the villain <laughs> and um and so you know like you can argue that having a villain is really good for the sport um, you know, and, and here's the thing. Like I've, I've had, I've gone both ways. I lost an entire Saturday this year. Thanks. Thanks to the Tennessee fan base. It was self-inflicted. I referred <laughs> you, to, you, Lin- can't, you
0: can't talk about the stadium that way, buddy. You can't talk yeah, about right.
2: it. <laughs> yeah. Referring to Lindsay Nelson stadium, which by the way, is an awesome joint. Like when they get, when they get it renovated, it's going to be amazing. The setting it's really cool. But yeah, me calling Lindsey Lindsay Nelson stadium, William sport was a bad, was a it's, bad, bad it's easy move. to hit
0: dingers there. It's easy yeah. to hit dingers. I
2: mean, the place does go downhill like yes. home plate is higher than the bottom of the outfield fence but anyway <laughs> it, it's it'd it, it, be that as it may you know like it is hey Tennessee this is a historically good team they, they lead the country in ERA and home runs no one's even sniffed something like that since the mid-90s when LSU was similar but not one and one in 96 the Warren Morris team so you know I, I here's here so they're good like Tony Vitello, you know, the the, the personalities are John Calipari, um, you know, th- their, their style of play, the brashness. This is like the Miami Hurricanes football team of the 1980s. They're so good. Remember, in Miami Hurricanes, there was there was the stick or not the stick. There was the bravado. But every player was a future all pro. And that's who Tennessee is. I mean, it's first round picks everywhere. Here's here's my concern. And believe me, like the list of positives is like a hundred. There's one concern when they had that kerfuffle with Auburn, you know, you've got players from Tennessee approaching the Auburn dugout and you've got Gabe gross and Tim Hudson coming out of the the Auburn dugout. Like what if that escalated? That's going to change careers. You know, like what if somebody got hurt? You know, what if college kids start beaning people because of these? So Like it's the, it's like that kind of, where does the line stop is where I get nervous. But other than that, I mean, what Tennessee has accomplished and you guys know, I mean, the Vols struggled so badly from 2006 to 2017, they didn't get anywhere. They were never even a bubble team. And now they are like the, you know, we're doing picks Tennessee versus the field. Five years ago, they couldn't even get to the bubble. I mean, it's just remarkable.
0: They couldn't even get to Hoover, Mike. Yeah. They couldn't even get... (laughs) Oh, for those that don't know, two teams in the SEC don't go to Hoover. (laughs) And that was Tennessee many, many, many years. So um, what do you make of all the dynamics of the coaches? The healthy... Like Tim Corbin and, and Tony Vitello are very different You've got all these guys that have been around and have won national championships at all these different places. Like, how healthy is the state of SEC coaching right now?
2: You know, I think it's um, the one thing about baseball is that that's kind of a unifier is that, you know, hey, we got 11.7 scholarships. We only got two paid coaches. So there is there is part of this where the coaches have to come together to, you know, to to help grow the sport. So I think that's helpful. But yeah, I mean like these rivalries are getting they're intense and they're getting more intense. It's getting more like football and basketball. Um so, you know, like I don't know like are 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 Mike Šefsky and Roy Williams friends? I, I don't know. Like maybe they'll be <laughs> friends someday, maybe they won't. We are kind of going down that road. Um but that I don't know, maybe that's not such a bad thing
1: what do you make of uh what do you make of of having corbin and vitello here now i mean we're biased cuz we're watching this sort of from in state but i mean that is that is arguably two of the two of the best coaches now 2 hours away uh it just seems like it has the makings of a year on year kind of great rivalry and and corbin was corbin was very um diplomatic in, in 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 hoover after after they got put out by the vols I, it was it was really interesting to me to see someone who's had as much success as corbin be playing it pretty close to the vest like so I, I feel like there is i feel like there we got a couple of years of great rivalry in front of us
2: oh no question and you know the, even though Tenet, even though vanderbilt recruits nationally the you know like these th- this last run for Vandy there's a lot of Tennessee kids a lot on of roster, local kids yeah. Yep. yeah I mean they and 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 if I understand it right like Drew Beam is like from right in Vandy's backyard he's a Murfreesboro kid and so that recruiting thing is shifting now again Vandy can go anywhere with their recruiting model but it sure is you know it's been nice for them to be able to recruit in their backyard so yeah I think the I think the rivalry will continue to develop. Um, you know, we know Vandy's not going anywhere. It sure seems like Tennessee's not going anywhere. Um, yeah, it, it's hey, and then you got Sully I mean, you know, the SEC West takes up a lot of oxygen, but the SEC East has gotten you know uh, infinitely more interesting in the last three years.
0: Well, it does help when David Price and Sonny Gray are from down the road as as well, which is also right. It's how he got it all started was was those yeah. two. What I also find fascinating, and we'll let you go on on your. I want your prediction on the tournament, but. I, I love the what makes a great rivalry in any sport is layers, is personal layers and the socioeconomic differences between Vanderbilt and Tennessee and how they play the game and how that matches those differences and the layers of the student body and the culture and the personnel. Like, to me, it's like everything that you could ever want in competitive mm-hmm. rivalry is Vanderbilt and Tennessee baseball, and we get to do it right in our state every year. I think it's I think Pretty it's great. Awesome. So um, all right. So. I know you did the whole Tennessee versus the field thing. Give me your picks at Omaha, who's playing in the final two series. And can Tennessee overcome the starstruck, big eyes, like the thing that happened to them last year is they got out there, their eyeballs got big. TD, or I guess that stadium, it's not TD Ameritrade anymore, anymore I guess. <laughs> I, I, I screwed in, up.
1: Insert financial sponsor. My, yeah, that's what, right. What, what uh, Cap said.
0: Uh, hedgefund.com park. Um, yeah. So it... <laughs> That, that clearly affected them, and you've got to play the game a little differently out there. Do they, have they learned from that, and can they get to the final pairing? Who do you like to play in the final?
2: Yeah, I, my final would be Tennessee, and I would probably pick Oklahoma State right now. Uh, you know, I, I think here's the other thing that helps Tennessee. They did not play well in Omaha last year. The park does not suit them. You know, it's, it's like the polar opposite of Lindsay Nelson Stadium. However, Tennessee can win anywhere – any type of game if they choose to do so. They have no weaknesses. They can play for power, they can run, they pitch, they've got depth, they defend. So Tennessee can win any type of game there they, they care to win. Um, so I think last year's 0-2 in Omaha helps them. And then I think the other thing that helps them is going losing that series at Kentucky, um, where the weather was bad and the park played huge and ten and Kentucky just adjusted better. So I think that really helps them too. Um, I, you guys said, I, I did pick Tennessee to win. Um, you know, mostly just cause I wanted to wear the fur coat, but, um, <laughs> but you know, like there, I, 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 do believe Tennessee is going to be in the finals because I, do, there's no way they don't get to Omaha. There's no one can beat them twice at Lindsey Nelson stadium. They're so built, you know, they're, they're so good in that park. And then I, I just think the experience of last year in Omaha helps them. And, um, and they're just so much better than everybody else. I mean, they're just so good. Um, but, you know, the, like, here, here's the two things that can trip up Tennessee, umpires and Tennessee, right? Like, yeah. like them getting wound up with umpires and them just getting distracted by the size of the park or whatever. But I, I don't know, like Frank Anderson, Tony Vitello, Josh Elander, they're just two. That's a good coaching staff. That probably gets missed. Like these guys are on it. So um, I think we're going to be we're watching Tennessee for a while.
1: Yeah. Is there and, is there a dark horse anywhere?
2: You know, there's a here. here, I'll give you guys this. This there's a lot of teams in this tournament that have been do like three or four regionals in a row. I'm thinking about teams like Army, Wright State, Campbell, who is in the unfortunately in the Tennessee bracket. um, UC Santa Barbara. Those teams are dangerous. Like that's the Stony Brook model from 2012. That's the Kent State model where you get a bunch of kids that have been in a bunch of regionals. We probably have six or seven teams like that this year. So I think that's where. The um, that's where you're going to see the upsets.
0: Don't don't be surprised if you see some regional upsets. Maybe not in the super regional weekend, but in the first yeah. weekend is what you're At saying. And
2: Gonzaga. Gonzaga is the other team off the radar. Gonzaga's got the second best rotation in the country outside of Tennessee. Um, they've got three kids that throw 95 plus in their rotation. So Gonzaga is my other. I you know I call them sleeper. They're not a number one seed. Uh,
0: and it's funny you mentioned the Kentucky series. I think watching. Kentucky come back to tie the game in Hoover and then them putting like a 10 spot (laughs) on the board. It was a big statement for Tennessee. Uh, runes, make sure you're eating red meat every single morning at 10 (laughs) AM in Omaha. Uh, I, 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 I can't wait for this month. The coverage, it is one of my favorite events. I tell everybody every year, the Indy 500 and the college world series are my two favorite events to go to as a fan. Uh, and the guys like you that make it happen. we, We really appreciate the coverage. So thank you for giving us so much of your time during a busy week. We really appreciate it. And, uh, Tell everybody where, like, what are you all doing? Like, where can everybody catch you and follow you and interact with all your stuff? So
2: just uh, my Twitter is Mike underscore Rooney. And then so I've got squeeze play the next two weekends, which is our college baseball whip around. It's on ESPN plus and then they put it on linear channels so that that's the um, yeah, it's 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 our red zone for college baseball. So that for the next two weekends and then we'll go to Omaha and and, um, do some stuff for Sirius and. D1 baseball and, and some ESPN stuff too. Well, so. I'm,
0: I'm super jealous and uh, great to see your face, man. Uh, we'll talk yes. soon. Thank you. Thank you. All right. See you boys. Awesome. Thanks. That was Mike Rooney of all of the places, ESPN, uh, Sirius XM uh, D1 baseball as well. We're going to get to a lot of stuff here. On the back end of the show, Steve, ninety-four uh, nine, the fan launching here in Nashville, or name changing, adding Outkick three hundred and sixty. You've got some coverage on uh, racing over the weekend. As I mentioned, I, I, there's a, a fascinating thing that happens with like local stories, like Mentor Gate and Traylon Burks's weight and Jimbo Fisher. That I think we need to touch on. Uh, there's some Nissan Stadium stuff, and of course, your favorite topic, Steve. Your favorite topic, baseball in Nashville. Sure, it's gonna <laughs> happen. It's gonna happen.
1: We're going to keep sending out press releases until <laughs> it happens.
0: I, it has turned into my favorite bit on the show. It's, see, it's it's surpassed Steve's hatred of Gannett. It is now Steve Cavendish's hatred of the baseball misinformation <laughs> about, about <laughs> Nashville. <It's, laughs> it is by far my favorite thing you do on this show. So we're going to get to all of that and react to Rooney. But first, of course, Lame Stream Sports is brought to you by... Jaspers. Jaspers. That's right, That's right. Jaspers. Let me pause at a question. There there is a particular fast food item that has been getting a lot of run lately. I think Dolly Parton is doing like a musical on TikTok about it or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, I, first of all, I just part of the reason it's so impossible to go to a, a sports bar and eat food is because a lot of sports bars and I don't want to name them, but I've been to a few of them that may host some watch parties about certain things that just have really, really shitty food. Like just bar, sports bar food is traditionally sure. very shitty. It's not good for you. It doesn't particularly taste great. Uh, it's, just, it's, just not, it's just all around bad. And the Jaspers has been fighting this epidemic for about 18 months now. And I, just, I would like to point out that this one particular fast food item that, has, that gets all kinds of talk on the socials, it gets all kinds of engagement. People love it and they claim it's amazing. I would like to point out that there is a Mexican street corn flatbread pizza at Jasper's that is freaking spectacular. And there is no way in hell that if you put that up against this other thing that people are talking about. No free shouts that it would be that it would lose that battle in a, in a blind taste test. There it is one of the best things I've tasted at Jasper's, the Mexican street corn flatbread pizza. Somebody tweeted a picture of it and said they forgot to tweet the picture of it because they passed out because it was so good. They blacked out from eating this pizza. Now, I I don't condone Jasper's creating food that puts you into a coma, but I I don't know under- ways to go, people. I don't under- ways to go. <laughs> I don't understand the love for this particular product when you've got a product like the Mexican street corn flatbread pizza that Jasper's puts out, and you're not going to pay for parking, and you get to watch a game while you do it and drink a beer. I don't understand. I don't understand. It's great. It's a great menu. ad. once a
1: year, once a year, my wife makes a run for the border. (laughs) And then she is reminded because because you get bombarded. It's so stupid. Millions of dollars worth of advertising. Millions. Millions. And it looks great on TV. There is a difference between. Yes. The version that you see on TV and what appears in your
0: local drive-in when you make a run for oh, the you, are you are you no? Are you Get saying out. are you saying that the food in a national advertisement has not actually been cooked and it's been airbrushed with paint? No way. And once a year, Jen goes and
1: she's like, she's like, fuck it, I'm going. And I'm <laughs> like, happy for you. Let me know how that works out for you.
0: Sounds like I've not have-
1: been I've not been in about uh, yeah I've been in over a day. Uh, it's
0: been 15 years yeah. Uh, yeah build that build that wall um, and
1: I- and <laughs> exactly and <laughs> and it is literally three hours before she regrets it yes and, so- and within three within three hours she's like I'm good for a year
0: yeah
1: I I, I yeah. now remember and, and 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 I don't need to do this anymore what it, it, instead people should be doing is they should be making a run for the Jaspers.
0: <laughs> that, you're welcome. that was not good. That was not good at all. You that, that was you, terrible. You, as a you, of don't, fact. you don't have children and you're not allowed to make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, I like, you know, that what's showing up at this particular establishment is just like a, like a, a box of a thousand frozen pizzas. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like that's yeah. all it is. It's where you go to Jaspers and get a handmade, freshly made Mexican street corn pizza for you, especially after being bombarded with tens and tens of dollars of advertising <laughs> <laughs> from, from, from us here on Livestream <laughs> bombarding you with advertising. <laughs> um, okay. All right. That about does it. Go to Jaspers, everybody. Uh, thank you to Mike Rooney. He, he is so great, man. I really do think we are in a special time in the state of Tennessee. It started last year. I hope it continues this year. I really think it sucks that Vanderbilt had just kind of one of their worst seasons under Tim Corbin lately uh, of late. I don't think he did a particularly great coaching job. He is a great coach. I hope that they are better next year. And therefore we've got two elite programs. I, I think, I think if Vandy's history, uh, Vandy baseball
1: history tells us anything that this is, yeah, I'm not this, worried is a, this is a blip. I mean, I'm not worried. And, and they'll be back with force next year.
0: I, uh, but I've since last year, and I'd like to think that we were some of the first people to talk about this even last season, which is just like, the cultural differences between Tennessee and like the way the game is played, like it embodies Tennessee athletics and and the culture of the university. And they're just like thumbing their nose at everybody. And you heard Rooney say it like, well, you need a villain, but the villain is good for the game. And I think this is like, I think this is great for the sport. It's great for Tennessee. It's fun to see. Obviously I'm an alumni, so I'm a bit biased, but like, I think it is great that there's another monster powerhouse program in the SEC And if you're a fan of Mississippi State or LSU or Arkansas or South Carolina or Vandy, teams that have won, almost all of those teams have won championships. It is good for you that Tennessee is good, even if you don't like it, even if you don't like it. So, right. And the
1: SEC is just, I mean, again, the SEC cranks out another powerhouse. Yeah, Uh, just it's just it's ridiculous.
0: What was really shocking, every single team he started mentioning, like I knew all those players from Major League Baseball, not from college baseball. Right, but you start talking about like Pedroia and Kipnis, and like there's a lot of names in there that you you know, um, Kirk, Kirk, old Kirk Suzuki got a reference in there, I believe as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I don't think Suzuki was in Moneyball. I think that was the Alabama catcher. But anyway, uh, all right, quickly, uh, Chase McCabe, program director for Cromwell Radio, which is 102.5 The Game and 94.9 Game Two, which is now 94.9 The Fan. Uh, they are rebranding that channel, I believe. At, he can correct me if I'm wrong on this. Uh, 106.3 is now listed on their website as like the, uh, the secondary station, which I assume is going to carry all the ESPN national programming that used to be on 94.9 game two. They are now adding Colin Cowherd, Dan Patrick, and of course the big news, Outkick 360 will be on in the afternoons uh, on 94.9 the, the Fan. I used to have to say the game two all the time, so it's, I have to reprogram myself here, but 94.9 The Fan. Uh, I think this is a, a big boy move by Chaser. Uh, I love Chase McCabe. He's one of the nicest human beings in the world. I think this is a really smart move by them to get Outkick back on the airwaves. And they have a loyal audience here in Nashville. We'll get to what their content could look like, but they have a loyal audience here in town. And you could do a lot worse things with a channel that not many people hear uh, by putting on a pretty big brand in Outkick 360 on that channel. So good, good move by Chaser there, in my opinion.
1: I think it's interesting that they, you know, you know, within a year and a half here, they uh, they have flipped. what was the, the sort of the, the premiere franchise from the old one Oh four five kind of onto their airwaves and, and the, you know, if you've, if you've watched outkick 360 at all, or listened to it, um, you know, it's, it's a slightly different show uh, than, than the, I mean, it is a different show because they're trying to be more of a national, I think, uh, I mean, You and Chase, I mean, um, sorry, you and Withrow were.
0: uh, Yeah, I can give you what he what he said. We're were texting.
1: You should read that because I think that's pretty interesting. Kind of like how how they think how they think of the show and how they're positioning the show.
0: Yeah, and 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 Hutton, when he was last on this episode on this show, he kind of alluded to some of these strategies, and I think Withrow's done so as well. Um, This is from Chad. Of course, I just reached out and said, "Hey, how are you guys going to distribute your content? What what's the goals on?" you know managing an on-air product locally here in Nashville that you have a lot of ties to in a community versus where you guys are headed sort of outwardly bigger picture and he said we're a national show that's not not coastal focused we view it more as a regional to Nashville uh, uh, regional to national excuse me uh, we won't focus on the yankees and lakers like your standard national radio shows being based in Nashville and not New York or LA gives us an advantage from our perspective lots of football every day lots of SEC and NFL and yes, of course, they'll continue to have VolQuest guys on once a week and tying into the Nashville and Tennessee-based sports uh, when it's important to the national conversation. Um, so I, I think that's that's pretty in line with everything they've said for you know since they made the move to OutKick. I do think it's interesting. Again, I think it's far more interesting for the game and for Cromwell and for that group than it is actually for OutKick because I think they get a unique property that has an audience in this market but doesn't really fit in a, in a local channel anymore. It's kind of a hybrid. And I think that's a really smart play by the game. I think that gives them a good, a good show to build another thing that they can sell around. Uh, and in the meantime, we know that Withrow Hutt, and Karski have always wanted to be back in local radio in Nashville. And now they are. So everybody wins. Well, and, and, and even my dog likes it <laughs> to, to me,
1: the, the, the fun thing that's going to be able, we're going to be able to watch is now you have uh I mean, now you have them locally, the Outkick guys locally, and they'll be rated. And so we'll see, kind of like, how does that national show play in this? Uh, you know, kind of here in Nashville, all over the air, and we'll we'll have an actual metric up against it. Uh, you know, they're looking at a lot of different metrics. When Hutton was on, we were talking about, you know, Twitter streams, and then youtube feeds and and all this and right. and that's you know that's definitely kind of how they look at uh how they look at themselves nationally and the fan base that they're pulling in uh it, it'll just be really interesting to see kind of like of that that old school terrestrial radio you know audience what they're going to be pulling in
0: and i have not asked them this i need to do this and maybe i'll i'll see if i can report back to you guys on this but I, I would love to know the geo targeting of like the podcast and the Twitter audience, the YouTube audience. I'd love to know, like, again, they, they sort of refer to it as regional to national. I'd love to see where they're like, where the geo demos actually break down. Like are they getting a lot of audience in, in like Denver or Dallas or St. Louis or, or whatever. And how much of that is still sort of focused on the Southeast or in the state of Tennessee or the middle Tennessee area or whatever. Um, I'll but- see if I can see if I can do some digging for you guys on that
1: the and this and this is this may be prefacing a, a another topic that we've got it'll be really interesting to me too to see like the next sort of big breakout national topic that happens from here kind of you'll be, it'll be fun to kind of watch like a direct comparison of Stillman uh and Caroline versus Outkick versus 3HL uh and yep. and kind of and kind of and kind of how they're going to attack because those, those topics, because now you have three pretty interesting shows uh, up against each other and how they're going to differentiate, in my mind, is really, really interesting. Well,
0: I think Stillman and Caroline differentiate themselves pretty easily <laughs> just, well, just by, just by yeah. being themselves. Um, so I do think that that's, that's what I think makes it such a good play for, the, for Cromwell is that you're going to have two shows that have ties to the market, that have voices that people trust in the market but deliver content in very, very different ways. And I think that's what's... And right now, even to different audiences. So it's going to be really interesting to watch. I, again, I think it's a great move by Chaser. Good for him. Uh, just the whole deal. I'll kick back on the air. I think a lot of people are going to like that. So I think it's uh, it's interesting news uh, here in the market. Um, let's let's talk about the national local thing. We we've, we spent a lot of time on this show talking about how like the local NFL reporters don't get the big stories anymore. AJ Brown getting traded or... You know, if Mike Vrabel were to get fired or if John Robinson were to, you know, you know, whatever, move on to another job. that all filters
1: up through the national guys in their Right. Regions.
0: Right. But there is a problem or not a problem. I think there is something that happens and it's happened recently with a couple of different stories. So I thought we could tie it all together. And that is people outside of your market, outside of your beat of your favorite team, like taking a tiny little thing ballooning it out to use for clicks and engagement and, and anxiety and, you know,
1: well, debate engagement, I say enragement.
0: I, I think okay. that, okay, that's good. I, I think
1: like particularly on like the, the, the best example here is like
0: the Ryan Tannehill, uh, you know, mentorship. I was going to so, say, let me, g- let me give you the three and then you can go yeah. on this. So mentor gate, whatever the fuck that was, uh, Ryan Tannehill, just saying a normal human thing. And then everyone else for the Titans organization agreeing with him, (laughs) basically, (laughs) um, from the head coach to the GM, to the, to the backup quarterback and how that was completely blown out of proportion, not locally, I don't believe, but, but nationally, um, you now have Traylon Burks, of course, where you have like Albert Breer chiming in with like these, these weird reports about his pre-draft stuff and like, I think everybody's blowing that out of proportion nationally. Um, you had the Saban and Fisher thing where Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban were doing something that like, if you're a college football media member in the Southeast, you probably understood everything that was happening pretty well and probably covered it intelligently. But then you had all these people from outside well, markets. Well, not necessarily, but but yeah. The, the good people. But but, the, but, a lot, but a lot of people did. The you're point right, being, right. and then I'll let you go here. The, the point being is that you have there. While we have this weird dynamic between the national and local in particular with big NFL news, there still comes a, an incredibly... You have to know your local media. You have to trust your media. I know every, almost every single person that's out at Titans camp. They are all out there trying to do the best job they can. They are, all of them are pretty good reporters and trying to do the best work and know this team and are at practice the way the national people are not. They're at the press conference when Ryan Tannehill says, I'm not here to mentor Malik Willis. And it's the same with Fisher and Sabin. There are guys, men and women, that cover those teams in the SEC very, very well. And if you know them, you trust their opinions. If you do not, and you are some other beat reporter from like Kansas or Chicago or New York, and you don't understand all the intricacies and nuances of all these stories, ignore them. Because they are trying to get engagement or, as you say, enragement. Yeah, I, the,
1: the 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 Tannehill one is is my favorite example here so far, simply because it, it was such an easy thing. He had a soundbite. There was easy video. You could take it out of context kind of pretty quickly, and nobody played the the next clip, which is which is Mike Vrabel saying, "I expect I, I expect everyone in that quarterback room to be competing for a starting position." I, I, of course, I don't expect, you know, Ryan to just be handing off his job to a guy we just drafted. He's like, I expect him to to be competing for that number one slot and want to be number one for
0: as long as he's here. I mean, I, I, w- I was standing right next to him when he said it's not his job. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> that's, and, what and, he, that's what he said. And, and, you know,
1: unfortunately, like that never gets packaged with. Right. The, the, with, with the Tannehill stuff, which gets, as, you know, which gets played on first take, which gets played on right. on, on, you know, whatever your kind of choo- you know, choose your debate show there. And, and so I, you know, I, the, the lesson here is pay attention to people who cover the shit and not the people yeah. who are just simply trying to,
0: I, try, trying to weaponize it. I saw a baseball reporter trying to attach race to the Jimbo Fisher Nick Saban thing. Oh God. And I'm going, dude, no disrespect, but stay in your lane, bro. Like you just you're like if you don't cover the inner workings of the soap opera that is SEC football coaches, you don't need to have a take. <laughs> you, right. you, you don't need to spew stuff out there into the world that that drives the enragement as you're talking about. It doesn't you just you know, you can just watch and observe and and, and have a good time with it all because let's let's what what else? What else does all three of these stories have in common, Steve? What else do they have in common? The time of the year that it's at right now for the sport of football. (laughs) Right. And that there is no football. I mean, unless unless
1: you count USFL.
0: There is nothing happening in football. This is what we have to talk about. So the national folks are trying to find any and all possible way to create engagement which again, generally, is devoid of like long, thoughtful, nuanced conversations. So, just just a PSA from he, us here on Lamestream: to know your local media, know what they are experts on, in and on, trust them when it comes to the granular stuff. Unfortunately, if Mike Vrabel is ever fired, like it's probably not going to come from a local reporter. Unfortunately, but that's like that's a whole other topic we've done before. <laughs> do, you,
1: do you think? Do you think the death of baseball as as, as essentially a a Sports radio topic. Uh, Good question. Has has kind of given more room for this stuff because I mean, there's one older radio host in this market that would disagree with you. <laughs> I've got two minutes, two minutes to talk about the Atlanta Braves,
0: Wrigley Field, and the wind blowing out means there yeah. might be more home runs. Anyway, all right, that's <laughs> mean spirited. Keep going. Is <laughs> that mean? Keep going. Keep going. Anyway, I
1: but I, but I think that. Uh, it's no surprise, too, that, you know, as football topics, they're going to dominate. And it has it, the, the, there's there's so much more we, we could be talking about. But I mean, I mean, and we, and we talked about this with Stillman. You know, you know, Stillman's going to talk about the Titans. Stillman's going to talk about the Titans three hundred every seven days a year. Yeah,
0: I, I think what's interesting, you're, you raise a great point about the topics that we care about in the South. In particular, I'll kind of grow it outside of Nashville and just say the South. I think what's really interesting is where we could be headed. If Nashville has a professional soccer team and a PGA Tour event and a Grand Prix event, an IndyCar race, all three of which seem to be growing nationally in the United States, if all three of those things are happening, oh my gosh, how did that happen all during the summer <laughs> in Nashville? Right. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if those are things that we start latching onto in the middle of June and July. I think it helps that Tennessee baseball and Vandy baseball are good, but that's, again, baseball does not carry a lot of traffic. I, I think it'll be interesting to see after football what becomes the thing that everybody knows and wants to talk about in July. Because again, that's right when you could have a PGA Tour event. That's right when you're leading up to the Grand Prix. You're going to have NASCAR racing in this, in, right in, in, at the Super Speedway, maybe in the fairgrounds, and then of course Nashville SC playing games every week. So I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see what topics we, I mean, we hear. Yeah, I
1: mean, I, and the baseball thing, we are seven months removed from the Atlanta Braves of you know, winning a championship here 15 years ago how much you know how much would we still be talking about that braves team i mean how much would, how much would like the freddie freeman stuff have, have dominated oh that would have been a huge conversation here yeah. over over the off season and you know it gets you know a mention yeah. and that's
0: it yeah especially considering how many media people in Tennessee are huge Braves fans, are just, huge in, Braves fans. In yeah, just in yeah. general uh, all of you can go fuck yourselves go Mets first <laughs> place um, <laughs> all right uh, quickly NBC coverage you had some thoughts on racing coverage this weekend
1: yeah I mean I, I, I tuned in and watched a bunch of uh, Indy 500 uh, I, I didn't I didn't dislike the coverage uh, although it got a lot of criticism particularly for the amount of commercials that, that, that they're running and that's just sort of NBC style uh, but uh, I, I there was something kind of jarring when I was sitting there thinking about it, which was, you know, my entire life, I have grown up watching watching the Indy Five Hundred on More Day Weekend, and it is not on the network of Jim McKay and Jackie Stewart, yep, yep. and you know, you know, AJ Foyt and Tom Seaver, not Tom Seaver, Tom Sneva, and. Uh, I do like,
0: go Mets. I do like Tom uh, Do you, you do like Tom Sieber. Um Ari Leondyke, Emerson Fittipaldi, exactly. Mike Alan Alancer Jr. I can keep going. But, but all of those
1: names, I associate with ABC and, and their coverage. Yeah. Yeah. And I associate the Monaco Grand Prix, which they always picked up a little bit of, but in a condensed form, on like Wide World of Sports. And to, for them to be on, on Indy 500 day, being wall to wall on Monaco Grand Prix coverage, it's just weird in a rain delay. Just weird. <laughs> I, I just,
0: you I, know just, I, just, had to, I just
1: had to say that out loud. It's weird.
0: Okay, I, I'm with you on that. Um, because I too also grew up on on indie for sure. But man, like F1 has like I I am curious to see if people really believe like it's all because of the Netflix documentary. Like the, the well, fact the, that the, F1 the, is growing so fast. Well, and is and you, really insane. There
1: are there are definitely things that have seeped into indie coverage, and it was it was funny because when we talk about like, like race strategists, that's very much an F1 term. Yeah. And and very much an F1 concept. And they're talking about the race strategists in Indy and they're going to like, you know, they're showing them with their setups there in the pits and kind of looking at all of the, all of the metrics and all of the telemetry and whatever else. Anyway.
0: It, I, I enjoyed it, but I love that whole day because you go from F one Monaco to Indy to, to to NASCAR. You get like progressively slower the cars <laughs> as the yep. day goes along, yeah. as the as the boost continues to flow. You need cars <laughs> to go slower to track them all. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, quick, I, I'm gonna save your your baseball thing for for the, for the end here. But uh, quick, Titan Stadium update. Um, the the five hundred million from the state right is is now officially approved, and that's in the budget. So, there so that's
1: go. in the budget. Uh, we, we got a we got an outline of of the total cost. It's like two point two billion. That includes a lot of stuff that's not like pure stadium stuff, but that's what's in the capital budget for uh for and, and the month of June here. The Metro has to have a budget done by the end of June, and so. You're, the next two metro council meetings, you're going to see them. The, this is this is going to be front of the list here, uh, and, and it is is Titan Stadium uh, discussions. Uh, we're going to have to get a lot more specificity out of the mayor's office, yeah. uh, and we're going we're going to see kind of where all of these. It just it, it's just a good. Pay attention moment because this is the, the debate is the debate's about to happen right here.
0: Yeah, it's about to about to ratchet up because the thing we still don't know out of that two point two is exactly how many dollars the city technically is on the hook out of their general obligation fund, which again is the key term here, their their general fund versus their revenue bonds. Those are the two things you sort of need to separate uh, as as new spending by taxpayers. So that number will, I'm assuming we'll find that number out soon. Uh, and when that happens, you're going to see a lot of PR from a lot of people. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> a, Here it comes on, on a lot of sides. Uh, all right, Steve, the floor is yours. Music City Baseball, baby, go! Okay, so there was an article in a
1: in a little publication you might have you might have known about called the New York Times, uh, and it was it was a really good piece. Um, I like the writer a lot. Uh, Andrea Williams writes about a lot of different stuff. She's written. Um, uh, she's a she's a local writer. She's written for the scene. Uh, she's very very good, uh, and so she writes this piece about Dave Stewart, and the headline on it was "To Change Baseball and Ace Needs a New Title," uh, and and so she's she's looking at it through all of the the she's looking at it through the lens of Dave Stewart, and it's a really smart way to do a story. It, it's a really compelling story. But there's a, there's a, there's a fundamental flaw here with every baseball story that we're talking about which is <laughs> which is where's the money going to come from and we're x number of years in and they're still recruiting they're still recruiting investors where have i heard this before yeah i know <laughs> and and it, until we hear of the capital b billionaire that is that is going to be attached to this because it's going to be a 2 billion dollar proposition because there you know whether whether you build the stadium or whether or whether you're talking about expansion fees if MLB expands or if you're talking about a a a movement fee in order to be able to move Oakland or Tampa Bay or whoever else here
0: i think you're talking I, closer to 3 billion
1: i mean it's a lot of money and i mean credit john lore i mean he keeps cranking out press releases Keeps, <laughs> keeps, keeps getting, he keeps finding people to write his occasions to write stories about him. I mean, and, and keeps you know keeps himself out there. Uh, con- congratulations to him, I guess. But I mean, the, the, it's just frustrating. The, the, these are the these are the things that we as journalists have to ask yeah. every time they throw like something shiny in front of us. I mean, Dave Stewart is a very shiny story. Uh, it, it, it's a it's, yeah. it, it's a fascinating story because we are as baseball fans, you are personally invested in somebody as talented as Stewart potentially running a franchise,
0: right? And, and, and minority so, ownership is a thing we all want, like exactly. And so it's plucking all the right strings, you know. But where's the money coming from?
1: Who who has the purse strings? Who has who has the money to do all of this? Because I get news for you that Titans stadium that, that is probably going to be built on the East bank of the Cumberland. All, I, almost assuredly precludes uh, precludes any sort of
0: city investment in, yeah. in a baseball stadium. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me. I'm, uh, I'm worked up about this. I, I, I love it when you tell me that you want to talk about this. I love it. Like it's, it's my, it's, it's, my it's, favorite just, it's just my,
1: it's my most, it's the thing that drives me nuts and it's, the thing, it's the thing that drives me nuts as journalists because there's a lot of people I like that write stories about this yeah, stuff. Yeah. And you know, it's the only it, thing that, the only until thing. until the money and until the I mean, yeah. we can keep writing, keep writing nice stories about Hootie and uh, Justin Timberlake and who, whatever other person they want press yeah. release. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, and like it's funny because the, the the only thing that I think drives me more nuts is when I see media companies publishing op eds from politicians. It's like the only thing that, like, I've, there's been a couple here locally where like a senator is basically just running a campaign ad in a local media company. Oh, the Tennessean and, did this with Cooper. Cooper writing. Writing. Coop, Cooper's just like let him write what he wants to write. You know, there's no question or anything. Like, I don't, I, it's just, you don't have to be a conduit for messaging for someone who clearly has an agenda that generally does not line up with everybody. And you don't have to use, by the way,
1: market. you don't have to use your publication uh, to uncritically put this out into the world when what you could be doing is writing a news story about it,
0: which they didn't. Uh, yeah, it, again, ne- neither of the ones that I'm specifically referencing even came close. I don't even know if you saw the one I'm talking about. I'm not even going to mention it because it was so absurd. Uh, like it was, it, was, it was genuinely offensive for all of the reasons. <laughs> Media, intelligence, Tennesseans, It was just, it was so bad. I was like, oh my God, you people have no soul. Anyway, uh, all right. Mike Rooney has a huge soul and he loves baseball and it's great. And I really appreciate him joining us, uh, talking with us on the show. Steve, always a pleasure hanging out with you. Make sure you sign up for the Nashville Banner, of course, NashvilleBanner.com. Get your newsletter because all those PR, all those, all that debate that's coming on the stadium, Nashville Banner is a good place to have uh, in your back pocket when, when all that information starts to come out. You can follow him on Twitter at Steve, Ka- at S Cavendish, excuse me. Sorry, I gave you a first name there. Um, my, my, My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Check out the YouTube page as well. Thank you guys all for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. This has been LameStream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.